Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is a podcast where I review a comic book new or old from my collection and rate it on the factors of the cover art, interior art, plot, and enjoyability of the book on a scale of 1 to 5. And then I tell you to get it or shred it. This week I'm reviewing 1994, number 14, published by Warren Publishing in 1980. For the video version of the podcast, head on over to youtube.com slash vmcampos. And maybe pledge to the channel, and maybe pledge to the podcast at patreon.com slash vmcampos. Now let's check out the book. So first of all, a little bit of background info. This is a Warren magazine from Warren Publishing. They've been around for a while at this point. This was published in 1980. They've been around since at least 1969. Vampirella was a series they published from 1969 to 1983 or so. They also published Eerie and Creepy and all of those classic black and white horror books. They began publishing 1984 in the mid-70s as a competitor to heavy metal, which of course is the genre of adult fantasy black and white anthologies. 1984 would last for around 10 issues, and then in issue 11 changed its name to 1994. It went on to around 30-something issues, and it caught up with the year 1984 by the time it ended. There was never a 2004, but that would have been cool if they kept it going there to the future. We're going to see that this is a black and white anthology full of swords and sorcery, sci-fi, space adventure, Game of Thrones style action, a variety of amazing art and stories, lots of eye-catching aspects, and it really is a product of its time. This genre is pretty much gone nowadays, the fantasy anthology series. And that's a shame, because some of the most interesting art and stories ever created were found in those pages. As for today's review, let's check out some of these details, starting with the cover art. Now what's cool here is we've got a wraparound cover, actually. This beautiful San Julian cover. Now the book is perfect bound. So it's kind of awkward to open the whole thing up like this. But we see Gita of Elazar, Frank Thorne's creation, which is interesting that Frank Thorne didn't do the cover. Instead, we got a painted cover by San Julian. And this depicts a lot of spoilers that happen in the actual story inside. Even if you don't know what's happening, that it's part of the story, this is an epic wraparound cover. Let's say you don't know anything about what's going on. We've got a warrior defeating her enemies, wizards and trolls and creatures and such. As you can see, mine isn't in the best condition. The black is no longer as black as it used to be when it was first printed, but it's still an eye-catching, provocative cover that'll give a 5 out of 5. This is such a striking cover to add to your collection, and if you can find a nice high grade, it's a wall book. So I'll give the cover art 5 out of 5. Interior art. We have a variety of stories with a variety of artists, and I always love that, so that automatically gets a 5 out of 5 from me, and each individual work is also very, very good. We'll browse those a bit. So we got a letters column, first of all, then we've got Womb with a View. This is some of the most amazing, cluttered art I've ever seen, and I don't say that as a negative. Alex Nino is the artist here, and it's just this psychedelic panelless mishmash of visuals that on first read, yes, it's a little hard to read what's going on here, 
But it's supposed to be like that because we've got psychic babies in the future, controlling people, technology run amok and the like. And some of this imagery is just tremendous. Very imaginative art. We've got a realistic style of art here with Jose Ortiz in a space story called The Benevolence, about a cargo mission to a far-off colony, a far-off Earth colony. So a little bit more standard page layout compared to the psychedelic one we just saw. Expertly rendered anatomy, environments, ships, expressions. I think that looks like um, Sean Connery there, wouldn't you say? Just amazing, beautiful art here. This one's a long story, but very, very enjoyable. Then we have The Galaxy Grand Prix by Vic Catan. A little bit more cartoony than the previous story. Very dense pages. More of a focus on the technology than the people. This is basically a space race with a lot of action and acrobatics and the like. Imaginative page layouts where ships are bursting from the panels, the darkness of space enveloping everything, explosions to rock the cosmos, wonderful, beautiful art in just black and white. Now we do have some ink washes here and there, but it's mostly black ink that really is put to great use. Frank Thorne then has his latest Gita of Alizar chapter, is a conclusion of an epic storyline going on. And so, yeah, Frank Thorne, who worked over at Marvel with the Red Sonja books, when he is unfettered by the Comics Code Authority, can do as he wishes, and he does. Really fun panel layouts that are just really flourished for no reason in some places, very standard in others. Trolls and other creatures rendered very well, excellent scenery. I do have to say, uh, his expressions on Gita are sometimes a little too cartoony where everything else is much more realistic so that kind of throws me off sometimes these panel layouts are flourished for no reason although they look cool overall there's an epic battle that happens in this story spoiler alert our heroine might actually pull things off and have a happy ending the next story baby makes three some more beautiful art interesting panel layouts very imaginative panel layouts. Look at these characters here just floating in front of the space station to set the scene. Environments detailed very well. Again, this is why many times these anthology books, I just snap rate them five out of five, especially these more vintage ones, because we just had these masters of the art form month after month creating these stories and art. To this issue, I give the interior art a five out of five. Plots. Alright, these uh, plots can uh, range a lot, and uh, actually before the plots, this is, this is pretty fun because there's a letters page, and everyone, most people are complaining, criticizing issue number 13 a lot. Pause it and read some of these letters on your own, but basically people are not happy that this book, 1984 or 1994, is extremely violent, sometimes very racist, very sexist, very controversial. So this is a 43-year-old book, and we still have these controversies over and over and over. Nothing is new under the sun. And the letter writers probably have a point, especially in a certain story that is overly racist. Here's one note. Bud Lewis is a racist bigot who should be shot and put out of his misery. It's sick. Hate-mongering freaks like him who has caused the real racial tension in our country. 
So apparently there was a story that was extremely racist on the previous issue. And this was a comic that was published quarterly, so plenty of letters flooded in. And basically everyone hated everything in issue number 13. I didn't feel issue number 14 was as bad as what they were saying in 13, so maybe they course-corrected in time. Or that was just an anomaly with unlucky issue number 13. Anyway, as the rest of the, the stories, yeah, so Womb with a View is basically psychic children in the future. Here's a baby in utero that has gained powers of telepathy, but not just telepathy, telekinesis, causing his father to do things that he doesn't actually want to do. And he discovers, wait a minute, there are twins. It's not just one psychic baby. So the father goes into the mind of one of the babies, battles the other evil baby, he wins, and so the father has died in the real world, but he's reborn as his own son. Whoa, what a twist. That's a really out there plot and some amazing artwork. So for the Benevolent, it sets up an amazing story with a lot of plot about a captain who is um, piloting this ship that takes supplies to the various Earth colonies. They go to their final colony and some tragedy strikes so at the very beginning there's the preview of the mission plus the end result which is a court-martial and there's some parallel storylines going on here in the prologue then the actual story of what happened and i kind of got lost at the very end what actually did happen there's going to be an almost mutiny the captain doesn't want to abandon the old refugees the ship's going to blow up because of solar flares all of this stuff is happening. It's very, very engaging. But then at the very end, honestly, it lost me. So I got to reread this one because in the end of it all, um, the refugees are saved and the crew does mutiny, but everyone's kind of safe. And I don't know, I have to reread it again. The ending kind of confused me on the very last, like literally two panels. So I got to reread that one. The Galaxy Grand Prix, this is fun. This is just a nice trifle. This is just to show off a, a space race with the main character. He's won six races in a row. And here's his latest romp to victory. Just a lot of action, cool panel layouts, lots of explosions, beautiful art. He wins in the end. And so there's a lot of adventure and different species vying for number one. But our main human guy wins it all, of course. And he'll be back for the next Intergalactic Grand Prix next year. Next up is this Frank Thorne drawn and written story. It's cool overall. It's a Conan-esque, Red Sonja-esque swords and sorcery sort of thing. The language is mixing a little bit of the sort of high fantasy, but also with some weird sort of modern language and slang and such. It's kind of a conflict in here there. So we've got Gita yelling, Dung, dung, dung! Condagon, you puke pig! Some more profanity. Frig you! Frig you! Frig you, Condagon! I still be Gita, not a freak who struts about like the naked soldiers of Minga! And then also right here we've got a, so uh, flipping the bird. It's kind of anachronistic here and there, some of the language versus the visuals. But it's a nice, dense story with lots of action. There's a, the gratuitous parts that Frank Thorne is able to unleash now that he's not part of the Comics Code Authority in a magazine form, so he can do as he wishes. Gita needs to re-infiltrate Alizar, but she's also got her, at her command a little army. They need to reclaim it after it had fallen, and yeah, it all works out. They have command of this great beast, after all, Drill. She's able to use all her assets in fighting 
to uh, yeah get her kingdom back. And at the end, this this is the final uh, story in um, the final plot in this story. So they win, and they're gonna have three rulers at once. Be very benevolent. Frank Thorne has a self-include, one of the most famous self-includes in all of fiction, next to Mindy Kaling. And so Tenef, the wizard, is Frank Thorne himself, and uh, what a surprise, he gets to kiss the hot warrior lady. Even though it's not marked as the end, it is the end of that particular story. And then we move on to the final story, which is a continuation of things. I didn't really think, I think this is the weakest story of all. After all, it's going to build itself up in a variety of stories in the future. Here's a legally distinct character warring in the stars who might be some sort of dark father but you know don't sue us and so it's, i think it's the weakest of all of the stories all the other ones i'd give them a five out of five this one probably a three and a half out of five maybe a four out of five you're setting up some sort of plot it goes almost nowhere just setting up environment and then to be continued next issue so that's why i would ding it there you are setting up this world the visuals are amazing but the plot is a little bit lacking but in general, all of the stories all added up together, the plot, 5 out of 5. As for the enjoyability of the book, well, I enjoyed it a lot. I love seeing these late 70s, early 80s anthology magazines with a variety of stories and art and plots, plus the ads of the day. This also increases my enjoyability. New full-color art paperbacks, large size format on super glossy paper. We have this beautiful art by a variety of creators of the time. The Brothers Hildebrandt, H.R. Giger, Alex Jones, and more. There's not really any ads to get into the way of the story. And the ads that are there are not very intrusive. Here's more of those paperbacks. So we have the famous Marvel Comics adaptation of Alien. We have various Richard Corbin works. We have the Dune graphic novel version. So it's really cool to see these vintage stories. Back issues of the magazine. We have these posters. We have movies on Super 8mm with sound. How about Logan's Run for $54? $54 in 1980. That is some amount of money. Nowadays, I'll put it up here unless I got lazy. Star Wars stuff. Back when it was a bit more about Han Solo than Luke Skywalker. A couple novels about... Star Wars, but focused on Solo. More of these paperbacks and the like. A whole Frazetta section. Boris Vallejo, the Hildebrandts, etc. And again, the back cover is a wraparound cover. So enjoyability is a 5 out of 5. I love this genre of comic book slash magazine. So do you get it or shred it? Definitely get it. Be aware that this is over 40 years old, untethered to the Comics Code Authority, where the stories and art can run amok. But if you keep that in mind, I think it'll be a very enjoyable book to pick up. For the full collection, it's not that many issues. Although some, of course, are more valuable than, the, than others because you have these various creators between the pages. Nonetheless, get it. And that was my review of 1994, published by Warren Publishing in 1980. Did you watch the video version of the podcast? YouTube.com slash VMCampos. Did you pledge to the show? Patreon.com slash VMCampos. For $3.33 a month, you can unlock exclusive content, early access, and you can keep the channel funded, you could keep it going, you could become a part of it. All for $3.33 a month. What a deal. If you can't quite pledge at the moment, no worries. Simply like, comment, share, subscribe, do all the good stuff. I would really appreciate it. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this book. 
Have you read any of 1994 or its predecessor 1984? What about Marvel's version, Epic Illustrated? I'm sure you've seen an issue or two of Heavy Metal. Tell me in the comments. Are you into these adult fantasy books of the 70s and 80s? Tell me in the comments. Are you interested in checking one out for the first time? Let me know. And once again, if you enjoyed the episode, consider pledging on the Patreon. In any event, this has been the weekly VM Campus Comic Book Club, and I'll see you next week.